and welcome to episode number 200 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen and the return of a very special guest. And we didn't even do this on purpose because it was episode 200. It just happened to fall on episode number 200. Brett Colson makes his return to the Megapod here as we head into Super Wildcard Weekend. Brett, it feels just right to have you back on the Lions podcast here. And the ha- it happens to be episode number 200. How incredibly fitting. Well, you tried to get me on last week for 199. You would have blown the whole thing. So I'm glad I'm <laughs> I glad I skipped last week and made it, even though I had no idea it was 200. Uh, glad to be Not- back with you guys. I missed you guys. I know, I know. We're glad to have you here, and I'm glad to have you for these six games to talk through here. Guys, let's uh, kick things off on Saturday with the Las Vegas Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals. As we sit right now, this is five, five and a half, mostly five and a half in favor of Cincinnati. The total anywhere from 48 to 49 out there. What we do know in this one, the Bengals, out of an abundance of caution, sat Joe Burrow, sat Joe Mixon last week. They only played Jamar Chase long enough for him to get the record. And then he sat on the sidelines along with a lot of other guys who didn't play very much last week at all. We know the Raiders had to go into overtime nearly every single second of overtime, play a long overtime game, and get into the playoffs with that last second field goal over the Chargers. Brett, I'll kick things off with you here since uh, we'll welcome you back to the pod. Bengals are at home. It's going to be cold. We know that for sure about freezing temperatures. It doesn't look like wind is going to be that much of a factor here, but it is going to be really, really cold. It is a Raiders team coming off of a pretty emotional uh, victory there that sends them into the playoffs. Did have to play an extra 10 minutes because that they went the whole time in overtime. And then you have a lot of the starters on the Bengals who didn't play at all last week. Yeah, well, it would, it would have been great to get six and a half uh, on the Raiders early this week. So, yeah. uh, some influential groups got in early and grabbed that number. And like you said, now it's trending towards five and a half, five. Uh, and that's where I think this should be, certainly south of six. And it doesn't have to do as much with the fact that I believe that the Raiders are a good team and deserve to be here. But this is this is more about matchups for me. I, I love how the Raiders match up, uh, especially in the trenches with this Bengals offensive line that has really struggled to protect Burrow all season against a Raiders pass rush that is just so unique because they don't blitz. They can get pressure without sending uh, several linebackers and safeties. You know, they only blitzed on 12% of defensive snaps this season, which gives the quarterback a very different look than he's seen all year. Of course, Burrow did see this Raiders defense early in the year, but just a strange game where the the Bengals only averaged 4.1 yards per play. They just ran Mixon for 30 carries, and that might work here again, but that's not where the Bengals are at their best. This is a team that won games when they aired it out, and I think the Raiders can, can take that away or at least tone down the Bengals' ability to uh, get pressure or to, to, to get explosive plays down the field uh i think they'll be able to get pressure on on burrow and then keep those big plays from happening so uh that's the key for me here I, I see this as a as a big trenches game i think the raiders have a legitimate shot at winning this game and that's that's my play uh, i wish i i could have gotten an early a better number early but i like i like the raiders money line you can find a, a plus 190 here as of friday morning uh, you know vegas continues to sneak up on good teams as dogs and i like the spot because of some of the matchups i'm seeing on the field Yeah, to kind of jump on what you were saying there. So the Raiders did blitz at the lowest rate in the next gen stats era, but they still produced the league's highest overall pressure rate 
despite not blitzing um, at all, really. I mean, blitzing again at the lowest rate since next gen stats began to uh, be a thing. That being said, Joe Burrow was the NFL's third highest passer rate passing uh, passer under pressure this year in the NFL. So it didn't matter if he was blitzed. It didn't matter if they were just getting pressure with the front four. Joe Burrow was awesome under pressure. The third best passer in all of the NFL as far as passing under pressure this season. So Brad, it is, uh, I I do agree with Brett in the standpoint that if the Bengals, I believe here are to have success, then it's not banging mixing into the line. 25, 30 times. I do believe it is that this offense and this team is at their best when Joe Burrow's throwing to, and I'm going to, I'll go ahead and stretch as far at this point as to say four weapons because outside of Chase and Higgins and, and Boyd, uh, Uzoma has really established himself as a really go-to good tight end. Who's made some really clutch catches, who knows how to move the chain. So uh, in that passing attack, I'll go ahead and even say four weapons that he's got. I believe that that's when this Bengals team is at the best. Possibly, but I mean, I I don't think we can rule out what happened in that first game. So, I mean, Burrow, Mm -hmm. season low, 5.1 yards per attempt, 3.2 air yards per completion. Um, The the three wide receivers you're talking about there, they combined for 96 yards. So... In a, in a lot of measures, yeah, that was Burrow's worst day of the season. And, and you watch that back; he he looked like he was scared of the pressure. Not, not scared, but he was he was very aware of the pressure. Um, and as it's arguably going to be worse this week, you know, with the backup right tackle Isaiah Prince. I think his name is going up against uh, Max Crosby. So, well, you know, we think the Bengals thrive by throwing it downfield, but I, I do think they're probably going to struggle again uh, in this matchup. So, you know, that, that would definitely push me towards the Raiders. I, my favoured way of playing it is probably first half. Um, I mean, you, you spoke about the 90 snaps, five quarters last week, flying across country on a, on a short rest. I would not be surprised to see that pass rush slow down in the second half. Um, and, then, and then maybe Burrow does get it away. But Raiders plus three and a half in the first half, um, that is one I have bet. Yeah, so we, we look here. And so the, the if you kind of look at the Bengals offense versus this Raiders defense, Medium to deep passes this year. This Raiders defense allowed a 94.7 passer rating on kind of intermediate and deep routes. That's 20th in the NFL. We know that that is that is how this Bengals team has functioned over the last month of the season, right? I mean, that is really where they've they've buttered their bread is throwing the ball down the field and letting Burrow finally just unleash, you know, all all of what he does and what these receivers are capable of doing. Um, I tend to go the other side from you guys. Like I understand that the defensive line has a massive advantage here on the offensive line from Cincinnati, but I think that they can kind of scheme around that with the abundance of weapons that they have and the ridiculous amount of different ways that they can attack you um, uh, with this one. I agree with you, Brett, that if this was six and a half, seven, Raiders have to be the play. This was trending even down further yesterday. A four and a half popped yesterday um, in favor of the the Bengals. I mean, this thing fell a full two points. And I think that we've just kind of started to overcorrect here. I think things have gone a little bit over, uh, you know, a little bit crazy here. Actually, if this thing does reach a four and maybe even a four and a half here in Vegas, which very well might for me because the Vegas local Vegas money might come in on on them then definitely I'm going to be on Cincinnati in this one. Brett, what do you think about the, what do you think about the total in this one? As we sit right now, 
it's sitting anywhere between 48 and 49. So again, if you're, if you are playing the total shop around, there's a 48, there's a 49, there's 48 and a half. So uh, a full point can certainly make a difference. Do you think, do you see a high scoring affair? Do you see a shootout in this thing? Or do you think that maybe there's a chance that both of these offensive struggle? How, how do you see this from a, from a scoring standpoint? Yeah, I, I, I do see this being a, a lower scoring game. So I, I, I do lean under, I think it's, it's a pretty fair total because both these teams, both these offensives are capable of putting a lot of points on the board and uh, Cincinnati, especially. And you do have to worry about their ability to hit those explosive plays where they were best in the league this year. So that's a concern. If you are betting the under, I don't have a play, but I, I do think, you know, I, I, I do like the Raiders in this spot, and I think that correlates well with the under and their ability to to get after Burrow and keep him from uh, from making those big big plays to chase and, and company. Brad, anything on the total in this one for you? Any thoughts on you know high scoring, low scoring? Seems about appropriate where you sit. Yeah, I did take a little bit of under twenty four in the first half. Um, so you know, just spoke about the pass rush for for the Raiders. The other side of the ball again in that first matchup, Derek Carr was under pressure forty percent of his snaps. Um, and you know, the second half of the season, this Raiders team they've been pretty average, averaging nineteen point four points per game in the second half of the season. You know, you, you look back at the last four games. Obviously, they won four straight to get in. Um, they, they did that by a total of. 12 total points uh three, three of the four were field goals as time expired and you know we said last week how banged up those teams they beat were so they're not setting the world on fire either um and it, it does seem like the, the bengals can get pressure as well so under 24 first half i thought again we, we've got a little bit of wind 10 to 50 miles an hour it's going to be sub-zero we've got two coaches making their debuts in the playoffs you know it could be nervy i think and Brett, would I would it be fair for me to say that if you kind of believe, judging from what I believe that you think this game is going to go, Burrow has a two sixty one and a half passing prop in this one. Um, would you be more inclined to play the under there, or do you think that you know even if there were maybe there's some garbage time or something like that to where to where you'd be a little bit nervous to play the under on a two sixty one and a half? I don't see a whole lot of garbage time for Cincinnati in the spot. I think if the if the Raiders are, are going to win this game, it's going to be a tight game. So I, mm. I I do I do lean under for sure on Burrow because because of what we saw. What Brad talked about in, in the first meeting, mm. Burrow looked uncomfortable and wasn't. Uh, it was probably yeah, it was probably his worst performance of the entire year. It's it's just a unique defense to face. Um, so I, I do lean under on Brown Burroughs uh, passing yardage there. New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. As we sit right now, Buffalo Bills are four across the board, four point favorites, a total of 44 or 44 and a half. The big news here heading into this one is everyone's going to talk about the cold. Everyone is going to say, Hey, it's going to be single digits. And it is going to be single digits at kickoff. But listen, there's no real win to speak of. There is no way for you to go and try and correlate this game to the first one. Because again, the wind is what makes all the difference. You can't pass in the wind. It is so incredibly hard to get anything down the field. The kicking game goes completely out the window with those type of wins and all that. Now, look, the kicking game is going to be is going to be harder because if you listen to anybody, uh, I've heard a couple of kickers talk this week and they say, yes, it is harder to kick in five degree weather. The ball's hard. It's it's doesn't fly as far, et cetera, et cetera. So there is at least that there probably will forego the longer ish field goals and maybe there'll be a couple of more fourth down attempts. And this one than than typical. But outside of that, I mean, again, it's just going to be cold. It's going to be cold and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, Brad, listen, this is 
This is a, a game that we've seen played twice already this year. Now, one of those to me is a complete throwaway. I don't pull anything. I don't glean anything away from that first game. So if anything, I would look to the second game to kind of see what I feel about this team. How did you go about kind of handicapping this game? Um, well, to me, they're, they're very even teams. So obviously, the, you know, you're talking about that second matchup. The Bills won that. But there was... Uh, there was a huge swing on on late downs, basically. I think New England were one for 10 on third down at one point in that game, um, whereas the Bills were were converting about 50% of their third downs. And then when they didn't, they went on fourth down and, and picked up, I think, three out of four on them as well. So if you, if you look at the raw success rate metrics, it was a much closer game. Um, Patriots at 46, Bills at 52. So they, they were the better team, but you know it was probably closer than the final score. Um, again, oh, obviously, this is this is five degrees this weather, um, which we've seen once this year in that Green Bay Minnesota game, um, and I, I do wonder if that hurts the Bills more. Um, Stefan Diggs was talking this week that that Allen needs to take some something off his throws because you know he's basically throwing a, a rock of ice. Um, he said he needs to take take something off his throws in the snow, which you know I think it's unrealistic to expect Josh Allen to suddenly change how he throws a football. Um, so. I do wonder if that favours the Patriots more, especially if there's an emphasis on the running game as well. Um, obviously, they, they ran all over in the first game, but then even in the second game, they ran for 150 yards. Um, so the Bills didn't really stop them. They, they just got behind, so had to abandon it a little bit. So to me, I, I think the Patriots will be able to run the ball. Um, and I wonder if that cold weather does does dampen some of the edge on the uh, on the Patriots, on the, on the Bills passing attack. So we take a look here. Uh, Patriots come into the playoffs here on a one and three stretch. That only win coming against the Jaguars. In those three losses, they turned it over seven times. Only took a, only got one takeaway in that. So they were starting to be a little bit more, let's just say, generous with uh, the turnovers there. Mac Jones certainly down the stretch was more leaking oil than he was the the kind of polished guy earlier on in the season that we did see from him. Uh, Brett, look, you live there in Buffalo. You understand the cold and understand what these guys are going to be playing in more than anybody. I mean, listen, it's, and I think you've explained this to me before, but for the, for the people that are watching this video or listening to this podcast, like the difference between cold and then cold and wind is just in, in, even when we're talking single digits, you've told me it's just night and day. Yeah, and I, and I agree that that first game was a throwaway. So thanks for setting that straight right away. This is not going to be the same as the first time these two teams played in Buffalo this year. The one takeaway I had from that game, though, was how uncomfortable Mac Jones was in the cold. I, I was sitting behind the, the Patriots sideline and watching Mac the entire game, and he was really struggling with his hands, keeping his hands warm, so much so that I actually thought they were going to put a Hoyer into the game because Hoyer was way more comfortable. So that... That is something that I am baking into this is a Florida kid who really mm-hmm. has not played in these conditions very often. And that that's the key for me here is is the quarterback play. You know, the Pats didn't really have to k- compromise Mac Jones in the blizzard in Buffalo last month. They just ran straight and then, you know, they had the one big run and the defense did enough to win that game. Very different situation here where it will be cold. Yes, but Josh Allen will be able to get the ball out without it floating on him. I mean, he just the ball carried so many times when he got it out uh, in Buffalo the first time these two teams played. He was unstoppable for the most part when these two teams met in Foxborough last month, and he didn't have Beasley or, or Gabe Davis in that game either. So I don't see why he can't have similar success here through the air and on the ground. Unleash the guy. They, he did, they didn't do that with, with mm-hmm. Allen in Buffalo either. I mean, they, he, he didn't 
use his legs at all in that game. Very strange game. Like I said, just, just throw away that first game in, in Buffalo. Uh, I like the Bills at minus four here. I like their team total. I think they'll be able to score points. Um, and I don't trust Mac Jones to be able to keep up uh, with the Bills in this matchup in, in negative game flow. Uh, I, ju- I just don't see that happening. So I like the Bills quite a bit here at, at minus four. I would probably bet it up to minus five. Yeah, I'm I'm looking here. And again, like I said, it was a throwaway to me that first game. So looking at the second game, you get Mac Jones at, at 14 of 32 for 145 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. You get Allen at 30 for 47, 314, three touchdowns, no interceptions, didn't get sacked at all in that game. Also ran the ball. 12 times, which by the way, that was another thing that I didn't get in that first game is why the hell they didn't run him at all in that first game at all. I mean, it seemed like that would have been the natural way to go about kind of attacking them, especially in those conditions, but that's neither here nor there, but they did run Allen 12 times in that second game as well. Um, You know, to me, I just see at one team that is clearly, clearly better than the other to me. And I, I could be skewed here. I've been down on the Patriots more than most all season long. I think it was an awesome job of what they did with a rookie quarterback and a and a guy that has very little talent around him. That's another thing we should mention, right? I mean, if this team falls from falls behind in this game, it's over. Like it is toast. They are not built to play from behind at all. They have no playmakers whatsoever. They built this team to basically be like a little safe haven for a rookie quarterback that they knew was going to be starting with the dual tight ends and the possession receivers at receiver and all the stuff like that. Like there, there's nobody with any talent on, on this, on the squad to be able to have explosive plays to make a comeback in a game like this either. I really do like the four. I am hoping that Patriots money comes in and I get this thing a little bit lower than this even. So I'm holding out a little bit. I do believe also on this total guys and, and Brad, you, you play more totals than most of us, but on this total here, sitting at 44, I think that it could fall even more the more people start hearing and paying attention to this. Oh, my God, it's going to be five degrees. Oh, my God, it's going to be five degrees. If this thing hits 42, which, by the way, is not out of the realm of possibility at all, but like once these people start paying attention and hear that it's going to be so cold there and then they're going to hear about, you know, they're going to start correlating it to the first game and all that. I can see tons of people betting the under. If this thing is 42, I'm coming back on the over because, again, yes, it's going to they're going to forego the 55 yard field goals in this. But outside of that, these offenses should run at least fairly similar to 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 how they run, how they run just in general. And again, even though the Patriots lost, they still put 21 on the board in Foxborough. It was a 33 to 21 game. Yeah, yeah, it's um, I, I do like the overlook in general. Both defenses play pretty easy strength of schedule, um, and then a you've got you know you've got that added threat of Josh Allen running. Um, I, I would look for a, a rushing prop over here. I think I think they'll unleash him. Um, and then the way the Bills were playing defense in that second matchup, they had a load of they just had everyone close to the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think you might get some explosive runs out of the Patriots or some play action off that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think if it does tick down, which I, I suspect it will, then uh, it is a nice look to the over here. Yeah, Brett, uh, we got a little forty-five and a half on Josh Allen. I mean, it, it's it's. It, it's hard for me to believe they're not going to run him at least a dozen times in this game again. 
We know that if they do do that in the way that he runs and the, the improvising that he does on passing on passes as well, he's, he's getting five yards a carry. He's going to get over that 45 and a half. We just need to get the 10, 12 carries out of him. So I, I'm playing over or nothing on his rushing total. That's for sure. Yeah, this is the Josh Allen experience. He kind of takes the game into his own hands uh, in these spots. So I, I can definitely see him uh, just breaking off and, and trying to make some plays with his legs in, in here. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I either bet over or nothing. Any thoughts from the total on you? I mean, again, it's it's sitting 44 right now. Again, would not surprise me at all. There's a 43 and a half actually at MGM that just 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 flashed on the screen. So think, the, un, the under money seems to be coming in. Yeah, I, I think it's either it's it's probably Bills team total, and that's it for me. Mm-hmm. I don't trust the Patriots even in in like a in like a garbage you know, garbage time. I, it's, yeah. it's so hard with Mac. I just don't trust Mac to score any points in this game. So I, Bill's team total over 23 and a half is a play for me. And that's, that's probably it. On to Sunday, the Philadelphia Eagles in the Tampa Bay Bucks. This one sitting right now. Oddly, there's one outlier at DraftKings as Bucks and minus nine and a half, but eight and a half, uh, at most other books, there's a nine at Bet Rivers. So I guess anywhere from eight and a half to nine and a half in this one, a total uh, of 45 and a half or 46. So what do we know about this one? It may be super wet. That being said, we don't know for sure that it's going to be super wet. There are varying weather reports out there saying that the rain might stop before this one kicks off. There are some others saying that who knows as the model gets closer to time that this thing could get crazy. And also, by the way, it's South Florida and the weather is crazy there regardless. So it might that nobody might know anything about all this. I think the one thing that we do know, there is at least going to be some winds in this thing sustained kind of 15 ish to 20 ish miles an hour. There could be those gusts that come up into that 25 to 30 mile an hour type range. The wind would be worse if the rain was still there. That's how the that's how weather works in general. But um, we, again, we don't really know. We do know that we'll, there will be at least some sort of weather in this one. So, Brett, I for for me, I mean, listen, we, we talk about this rain, not so much worried about wind, definitely worried about a monsoon mixed with wind. I would be worried about both of the conditions as well. And so I'm not saying that this game is unbettable right now for me. I am saying that there is a lot for me to learn before I would feel super comfortable in a bet in this thing. A monsoon mixed with wind mixed with Jalen Hurts sounds uh, <laughs> sounds <laughs> interesting. I don't have a lot here. Uh, you know, the numbers mm-hmm. is stuck between seven and ten in that dead zone. So I, and I don't see it reaching a key number either way even at nine and a half at DraftKings it's not going to get to 10 so it's just a weird game because the Bucks are a large favorite despite missing several key weapons on offense uh you'd think you'd need those guys in order to cover a big number against a playoff team but for Philly this doesn't set up well for them at all you know they got a backdoor cover against Tampa earlier in the year but that was that game was dominated by the Bucks uh Hertz was awful um not surprising because that, that tends to happen when he's stuck playing from behind and forced to throw the football. And that's that's the likely game script here. So I keep, I keep going back and forth on this game, and I'm not going to force a play because uh, there are some spots I like better on the board this week. If I had to, it would probably be on the Eagles just because there is that chance that they have success early in the game on the ground in poor weather with the wind and the rain. And they can, that can kind of dictate the style they want to play without needing to rely on Jalen Hurts' arm for most of this game. But um, yeah, this is just a, a weird one that I'm probably going to stay away from. Brad, when we take a look at this one, I mean, so you do look at that at that first meeting between these two teams 
and it was dink and dunk city, right? I mean, that was what we saw from Brady in the in in that one, and maybe what we're gonna see from Brady in this one as well. So not only because of the weather conditions, but because of the way that the Eagles play defense, right? They don't blitz either. They were the 31st, like 31st in the league in blitz rate. So they never come after the quarterback. And so since they never come after the quarterback, you're going to, and by the way, Brady was the, had this, the best protection of any quarterback in the league as it was anyway. So now you got a team that never blitzes. You got a guy that doesn't feel pressure as it is anyway, because the offensive line keeps him standing in there. And so if they're just going to get to sit there and sit back and not blitz and not whatever, I can see Brady just going, oh, okay, Gronk, 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 Cameron break, Cameron break, Cameron break, Lenny out of the backfield, Lenny out of the backfield, these long, disgusting, kind of boring drives. And, 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 you know, is that enough to cover an eight and a half? I don't really know, but I see them having, you know, a, a, an incredible amount of success again, that first game, because of the way the Eagles just play defense, Brady throws the ball 42 times. He can lose 34 of them. He's 34 or 42, but he only goes for 297 because again, it was a whole bunch of little short passes down the field. OJ Howard had six catches in the game, if that says anything. So I think it's probably a lot of the same. Yeah, I, I think I agree that that matchup is bad for the Eagles. Um, you know, that, that's the way they play defense all year. They'll, they'll, it's two or three deep in, in that zone and, you know, make them execute, but Brady will execute. So I, I, I bet Gronk over five and a half receptions. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's been getting like double digit targets the last three weeks here. Obviously, him and Evans are probably the favorites now with uh, Godwin and AB out of the picture. And Evans might have a tough matchup on the outside with Darius Slay. You, you would expect probably some shadow coverage there. And I think he was, he had two receptions on four targets when they matched up in that game. Um, so I, I do think Gronk is going to get fed, probably playoff Lenny, lots of catches out the backfield. Um, you, I would say that the weather here, if it is, you know, 20 to 30 mile an hour winds as currently forecasted, that's got to favor the Eagles. Um, I expect a much better effort out of the Eagles than we saw in that first matchup because they came into that game, you know, we talked a lot about it on the podcast, they're throwing at 70% of the time, like just, complete madness for the team they had and then obviously they realised oh we should be running the ball because we've got an elite offensive line and Jalen Hurts and you know they've they've gone in this run being the run heaviest team ever since um, and I think they should have some success obviously there's the big debate here is what is the Tampa Bay run defence because in the second half of the year they're below average in success rate below average in EPA allowed they're the 22nd in EPA allowed to rushing quarterbacks since week 9 so I feel like that. I feel like the Eagles should be able to move the ball a little bit on the ground here. Um, so, yeah, I, I would probably lean towards taking the eight and a half, um, but it's, it's definitely not a huge edge. You know, again, it's it's a rookie, of, well, quarterback in his first playoff start against the greatest of all time. Um, so, you know, <laughs> do you want to put your money on that? But, yeah. but Gronk is is the way to play. I think. Yeah, to give, yeah, so from weeks 8 to 18, Philadelphia has run the ball on 58.6% of their plays, which again, in, in 2021 NFL, that's just unheard of. So weeks 8 to 18, run run the ball on 58.6% of their plays. Of course, that's the most in the NFL. And since that time as well, like you mentioned, so Tampa has this, Tampa has this reputation, Brett, of being the team that you, you just can't run the ball on, you have to pass, you can't run at all. Since week nine, they're actually 16th in the NFL in rush defense and EPA per play. So it's not like they're it's not like they're terrible at all. 
but it is they're they're middle of the pack, right? And so if you see a team like Philadelphia who does do something well, and that would be running the ball against a team that does something kind of middle of the pack, you would still favor Philly to at least have some sort of success on the ground at all. Like I I think that they'll be able to to move the ball on the ground. The problem is, is when you rely so heavily on the run, you basically have to be, you have to be perfect, right? Because you're, if you're only getting the four yards at a time, four or five yards at a time, you, you eventually will fail unless you're perfect. And then, and then you punt it back to Brady. And like we said, Brady dinks and dunks his way down the whole field in, in this zone. And they probably don't punt the whole game. And next thing you know, you look up and then, and then you are losing by double digits. So it's, it's pretty interesting as to how this game is the dynamic of it, you know, and if the weather does really and truly force Tampa out of a game plan or really shifts the favor towards Philadelphia because of their game plan. Yeah, I don't know what to make of the uh, the Tampa Bay run defense because my eyes tell me they're a top three run stopping unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers of late tell a different story, but that could be by design. Maybe that's how it could just be style and situational where Tampa's fine with yeah. allowing teams to run run the football so because they've gotten thinner in the secondary and so it would make sense right to invite more runs if you if you don't have guys that can cover back there. exactly so i i I think i'm leaning more towards this this unit is still elite and philly is going Mm -hmm. to struggle running the football the way they want to and that's that's why this is uh this it's it's a tough one for me to to cap because there are there are some some questions that I, i think are still unanswered yeah, I am with Brad. I am also with Brad. I'm also with everybody else. Like, listen, it, it, whenever it pops, it's not on the board right now. Leonard Fournette receptions, Gronk receptions, Cameron Brait receptions, like stuff like like any of that type stuff. Any of these guys that get close to the line of scrimmage, high percentage passes are is the way to go for me in this one. I'll, I'll probably the majority of the money for me, if not all of the money in this game will be on props as opposed to, to a side or a total. Do you bet Evans, you bet Evans unders to that? I mean, we've seen him get frustrated when he is shadowed by the elite corners. So I, the, the Brad's angle there with the slay shadow coverage, I think leans more toward uh, to Evans under. And yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, then yeah, bet the overs on a a Gronk or a Fournette. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I think that that is definitely the way to go in this one. 49ers on the road at the Dallas Cowboys. 49ers are three-point underdogs as they head into Arlington to Jerry's world. This is sitting anywhere 50 and a half to 51 and has been pretty much all week, which doesn't make me feel great about the one bet that I have in my account as we sit right now, which is the under in this game. Uh, I took under 51 and nobody seems to agree with me in this thing. I am pretty heavy on... The 49ers being able to have some run success here. I'm pretty heavy on the fact that the way that you attack this 49ers defense is deep passes. And Dak Prescott has been woefully inaccurate on deep passes over the last month and a half. He doesn't seem to be right completely ever since that calf injury. Something to me just, you know, again, eye test type deal just doesn't seem right. Doesn't seem like he's uh he's he's able to get anything done down the field and so yeah i mean then you couple that with the fact that this 49ers pass rush right like so when they send four or fewer rushers they generate the third highest quarterback pressure rate of nearly 30 percent 29 and change and sack rate in the nfl and it's just you know i think that they're going to be able to kind of disrupt that as well i don't know i just don't see a ton of points in this one, Brad, I am, 
No one seems to agree with me. However, what do you see going on here? Um, I agree with you that the 49ers pass rush is potentially a menace here. Um, like you, you probably look at left guard, one of the Connors, Connor Williams or Connor McGovern against Eric Armstead or, or whoever, whoever they line up there is, is probably not a good matchup for the Cowboys. I, I don't think it's, it's a bit like, you know, talking about the, the Tampa Rundy's got this, got this reputation. This, this Cowboys O-line is, is not what it was two years ago in my opinion. And I do think the 49ers should have some success getting home. Um, I, I do also agree they should be able to run the ball. That You know, that's that's mm. the weakness of this Dallas defense, the kind of middle of the pack in, in rush D, DVOA. And you would suspect the 49ers just spam that. Um, I guess where I'd be concerned is explosive runs. Um, again, Dallas, Dallas are bottom five in the NFL and allowing explosive runs, which you would think the Niners would do. And do the 49ers have an advantage with with all that speed, you know, if you're tr- trying to play the traditional drop back passing game, all that speed in the D line is you know is a menace. But if you're trying to throw screens, trying to misdirect them, trying to get some run after the catch, can you use that speed against them? Um, I think you possibly can, and you possibly get some explosive plays from from Debo. So yeah, I, I think it's a bad matchup for for the Cowboys. However you look at it. So Brett, we take a look here and. It's it, it, you've got those pa- this pass rush from the Niners and and we expect it to to do well. I mean, it's done well against every team so far this year, as we mentioned. However, when they don't get home for a sack or when they don't get pressure with that front four, they're allowing a seventy three point five percent completion percentage and six point seven yards per attempt. So it's like, yeah, they're getting there over a third of the time, either sacking or pressuring over a third of the time, but when they don't, they're allowing these teams to have a lot of success, which again, if you do just go with the raw weapons that you see for the Cowboys in, in CD lamb and, and and in Amari Cooper. And yes, they're down Michael Gallup in this thing, but um, you do have two elite wide receivers and you do have Dak Prescott. So if they're not pressuring Dak, you, you would, again, conventional thinking would be that they would be able to have their way with this secondary. Yeah, that's uh, that's a concern and might be why the the total keeps creeping uh, a, a little higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I, I, I still I still really like the Niners in this spot. Am I going to be able to get a three and a half here? It, it's Maybe. I think it's I think it's I think it's going to come. I do. That's what I'm I watching for today. That. If I can get a three yeah. and a half, I'm definitely grabbing some Niners action. And I know it's juice threes right now yeah. at Dra- Dra- DraftKings, MGM and 365. And, oh, Rivers is a three and a half right now. So I there you go. It will last long, I would say, because the yeah. entire world wants 49ers plus three and a half. I think <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to I might have to jump on that. But I mean, look, I, I know that move isn't that big with the total this yeah. high. But look, I, I, I do see this being a back and forth tight game between two good mm-hmm. football teams. So the hook could ultimately matter. So if I can get an inexpensive three and a half, that's that's where I'm going to go. I, I just think the Niners are are very good. They were one of my favorite teams coming into the year. Dealt with some injuries early on, but really have rounded into form at the right time. They're healthy right now as long as Trent Trent Williams is able uh, to play. He was at practice on the field on Thursday. That's obviously a big need against this Dallas front. The big th- the big thing for me is is the Niners the narrative about the Niners of that they are a one-dimensional running football team, which it's just it's just not true. I mean, the efficiency in the run game has really opened up a lot of things through the air. They're second in the NFL in yards per pass this season. This is a very good balanced underrated offense. And I, I think there's value 
on this team right now. I mean, this this number, this line is telling me that Dallas is better than San Francisco, and I don't think they are. So uh, I would probably bet Niners money line if I didn't already have a lot of ex- exposure to Niners futures coming into this game. So I'll just I'll just ride those tickets this week probably. But if if I can find an inexpensive three and a half out there today uh, that uh, uh, that kind of pops and it sounds like it already has, um, I'll be grabbing that. Although this three and a half is probably juiced at Rivers. Yeah, a little, little, a little juice, but not bad. I think you're paying 115 over there, so uh, not, not, not the end of the world for sure. It's certainly cheaper than if you bought anything. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, here's the other thing for me in this one. And, and listen, I am a, I'm not big on James Garoppolo. He did, he did get his big boy pants last week and became James. He's James no longer again. Jimmy. Yeah, he's he he's James last week. He got his he got his big boy pants on and and went out there and did what he needed to do. But I mean, look. There were still in that game, despite despite him playing by far his best game in quite a while. There were still some throws in which you were like, bro, what are you doing? How, like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? How in the world is this happening? And so I don't I just I wonder if they find themselves in a position where they have to and they and they need that throw. They need something from him if he's going to be able to get it done two weeks in a row. I do honestly wonder about that but I think one of the things we're all three on here is that Debo is going to play a massive role one way or the other whether the 49ers win or lose in this game we get the rushing prop of 28 and a half and then we get the receiving prop of 60 and a half right now uh Brett I look at this and I say look if you're the 49ers and you're trying to do this optimally and win and especially considering that Eli Mitchell is is banged up. I mean, like you're probably still going to get 12, 14 carries out of Eli Mitchell because they just play him hurt. They have to. They don't have a choice. But I I see Debo getting a, a handful of carries in this. When I say a handful, six to eight carries in this game. And if he can get six to eight carries in this game, I feel pretty confident in an over on, on 28 and a half yards. Yeah, you can get that out of one play. That's the yeah. great thing about Debo. He's he's just so electric once he has the ball in his hands that he can all he can do it all in one play. Sometimes that's that's all it's going to take. So yeah, I I'm with you on that one. And then on on the receiving side, Brad, if we take a look, I mean, it's 60 and a half for him, 60 it's it's gotten bumped up to 63 and a half at DraftKings, so the over started getting bet uh there at DraftKings on this thing, so up to 63 and a half on Debo. I think this is a little bit muted because yes, some of his plays are going to be run out of the backfield here. And yes, I think people think that Diggs is is going to be able to have some some success. I think Diggs is good. I think Debo's elite. And so it's weird for me to say that I think that both of these are kind of overplays, but I think Debo has a, a, a nice day receiving as well in this game. So I don't know, 60 and a half that you can still get at BetMGM seems 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 just egregiously low to me. Yeah, one stat to back that up. Niners are first in the NFL in yards after the catch. Uh, and Debo actually had the, the, the best the best yards after catch season by receiver in five years. Uh, and the Cowboys are second last in the NFL in yak allowed. Um, and Diggs has got a bad tackling grade as well. So, you know, you wouldn't be surprised rather than testing him deep. Um, mm-hmm. Just get the ball in his hands and, and let him go. I, so I've not bet the receiving prop. I did bet that rushing over 28 mm-hmm. and a half. Again, like you, I had him, you know, six to eight carries at, say, six six yards of carries, what yeah. he's been doing the last two months of the season. And that that get, that gets us uh, a little bit of breathing room to the over there. Um, I, last thing I would say is the 49ers, 
defense is getting a lot healthier. Um, Dre Greenlaw came back last week. Emmanuel Mosley came back last week. Kawan Williams was missing last week. He'll be back this week. So they're about as healthy as they've been all season on the defensive side. Um, so, you know, the, the tough thing with the Cowboys is that they're so hot and cold. You know, yeah. that one, that one well, I think it was Monday night, Sunday night against the Washington football team where they looked absolutely unstoppable. But they, they've just not done that that regularly um, and you know you look and at that football team and was that. They, they were ravaged by injuries and COVID yeah. and the whole nine yards in that one as well so there, I yeah. take that one with a grain of salt so you know there's there is a I think there's a non-zero chance there's a good chance they come out and try and establish a run with Zeke it doesn't work they come out start trying to throw it short the six it doesn't work and then maybe they start trying to test them down the field which you know you've spoken about is the weakness mm-hmm. of the 49ers but is it going to be too late and then you just set the pass rush free so you know I, I think the Niners are a good bet yeah, and not tr- no traditional teaser legs this week or whatever, but if, you know, as close to one as you could get would be taking the Bucks down to two and a half and then taking the uh, then taking the Niners up to nine. Um, Brett, I mean, listen, again, there's no traditional ones this week, but that's as close as you're going to come. I'd still think the Bucks win. I think that they, they might struggle to a win, but I still think that the Bucks win. And then taking if we like the if we like the Niners at three, we certainly like them at nine. So again, if you're looking to get in in, in the teaser streets this week, that's about as close as you're going to get. Yeah, I guess. I just think there are way better ways to get down on the Niners this week, starting with the money line. Uh, and yeah, if you can get three and a half, I, I just I, don't, I think the Niners run to the NFC Championship starts here. I, I just I love this team, so I, I would not tease them. I would just bet them straight up. Yeah, you heard it here. You heard it here first, folks. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the one that we might have the least amount to say. Uh, it's 12 and a half right now. There's a 13 that came back over at Bet365. So people even said, ah, 12 and a half, that's too low. So back up to 13 over at Bet365 as well. Total sitting 46, 46 and a half in this one. Guys, I mean, look, you know, s- since they acquired Melvin Ingram before week nine, the uh, the Chiefs defense has allowed the the second lowest passer rating and yards per attempt in the NFL. It's the third worst completion percentage that they've allowed um, against like, like the quick passes because he's getting back there and creating some pressure and things like that. So defense has been much, much better since Melvin Ingram has been a part of all this. But at the end of the day, Brett. It doesn't matter because the quarterback's been Roethlisberger, and this is the, one of the worst offensive teams to make the playoffs in recent memory. The line is appropriate at 13. I'm not running to the window to bet it, but I'm sure as hell not taking the 13 with the Steelers in this thing either. Who did the Chiefs get Malvin Ingram from? I'm pretty sure that was the Steelers, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I might be regretting yeah. that one. Um, yeah, it is, it, it is Big Ben. I, can they... Can they have success just dinking and dunking and just, I mean, the game plan here should be simple. Methodical, keep the clock running, pound the ball with with Najee Harris, take Mahomes out of his rhythm, and and when Mahomes is on the field, just keep everything in front of you and, and just shorten this game. Right? Don't get beat by explosive plays. I think that, yeah. and I think that the Steelers can do that. I mean, they... They were unable to in the first meeting. They just handed that game to KC. Uh, the turnovers just destroyed them. If they can take care of the football, 13 points is is a lot for a playoff game like this. And, and the Chiefs have been sleepy in these early playoff games in the past against teams that they should just run all over. Um, I, I kind of lean 
under in this game and on the Steelers' side. I mean, the total in this game was 44 the first time these two teams met. It's, four, it's 46 and a half in some places. And, and why is that? Because of what happened the first time they met? I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get that. So I, I do lean under. I think the Steelers will be able to uh, shorten this game in, in the best way possible. And that's kind of where, that's kind of where I'm going with this one. Yeah, the the game that Brett is uh, is mentioning the first time they played, uh, Kansas City won thirty six to ten. They were at thirty to nothing uh, halfway through the third quarter. All the starters, uh, you know, had hit the bench mm-hmm. and stuff at, at that point. So they, could have won yeah, by they were, yeah, they were they were destroying them in this game. Brad, again, I'm not running to bet. I'm not running to bet the Chiefs. It's the only way I would play this game. I can't imagine taking points with this Steelers team with how inept the offense is and so it's just really tough for me to get there so it would be a Chiefs or pass but again probably not going to make my betting card yeah I uh, I like Brett's angle I bet a little bit of under 46 and a half mm-hmm. um, so that, that first game it opened this number opened 47 46 and a half and was bet down to 44 and a half and if you remember it went over on by, by like you know point and a half on the garbage time touchdown from the Steelers um so as as Brett says what why is this total at 46 and a half when the first one closed 44 and a half I don't know one key yeah. difference is that TJ Watt is healthy in this game again you watch that last game he was holding his ribs the hype sitting on the sideline a lot of the game um he's fully healthy and obviously he's you know he's defensive player of the year he's absolutely huge against that right tackle Andrew Wiley and if he can win that match up regularly um then you know the Chiefs probably aren't getting to 33 again um and yeah as, as you say I'm, I'm just not scared of big ben scoring points here you know if, yeah. if they get they got to 13 last time with a garbage time touchdown like you know if they don't get that you know well they could easily be shot out here so i think under 46 and a half is uh is a nice look yeah uh the only other the only other prop i think is at least mildly interesting to me the over on Mahomes passing touchdowns of two and a half is at plus 145 right now. You're getting plus 145 on him. Uh, look, both running backs are a bit banged up in this. Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards Alaire, whoever ends up getting the carries in that thing, is is are pretty banged up. So I can see them getting into the red zone and doing one of those little underhand shovel passes to to Kelsey or whatever, you know, just doing some sort of little screen that's even it's a two yard pass or whatever. But you're getting plus one forty five. You're getting a pretty big plus number here on three touchdown passes for Mahomes and and Brett. I mean, I, it's not ideal. We don't. Tip want to bank on a guy getting three touchdown passes but we also you know you're not getting plus 145 on Mahomes very often for anything and so I I think at least if I was playing a prop in that one uh that one's at least interesting to All me. Right, well you have fun with that one I will not I will not be touching that one because I'm praying that this one does not get to a point where Mahomes is throwing three touchdowns so uh <laughs> you have your fun Final game, Monday night, Arizona Cardinals, Los Angeles Rams. Right now, three and a half or four. There's one three and a half in favor of the Rams. The rest, four across the board in favor of the Rams. Arizona Cardinals, um, look, have struggled down, struggled mightily down the stretch here. Total of 49 and a half in this game. Fellas, we thought we were going to get DeAndre Hopkins back. We are not going to get DeAndre Hopkins back. And... What this does, and if you were in our Discord chat earlier this week, I put this stat in there, and it's really, it's it's incredible. Um, with DeAndre Hopkins on the field this year, Arizona is first in yards per attempt and has the third best EPA per play in the NFL. Without DeAndre Hopkins on the field, they are 16th in yards per attempt and 24th 
in EPA per play. And here's the thing. It's one of those deals where you look and you're going like, that didn't make any sense. DeAndre Hopkins stats weren't all that great when he was out there. He wasn't lighting the world on fire and all that. But but Brad, we talk about this with, with specific players from time to time here on the pod. The thing is, is when DeAndre Hopkins is out there, you have to account for DeAndre Hopkins being out on the field. And so, yes, his counting statistics might not have been all that all that eye popping. But you can see that the success rate of this offense was incredibly high because you do have to pay so much attention to DeAndre Hopkins that it frees up all of these other guys and allows Kyler Murray to not only hit more open receivers, but he can do what he wants to with his legs and all the different things like that. And so not having him out there is really, really big for this team. I mean, just to let you know, since Kyler Murray came back from that injury in week 13, they are 15th in offensive EPA overall and 23rd in defensive EPA as well. And so like this defense has played not, not, not great down the stretch. This offense has played not great down the stretch, but you've also got a Rams team that has kind of gotten by, by the skin of their teeth and limped into some stuff. And then of course blew the big lead last week as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, to your point on DeAndre Hopkins, like the, the way the Cardinal system works is they, they just plug in Antoine Wesley instead of Hopkins. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a downgrade and you see it in the red zone as well. Um, I think like, they've dropped from like a 60, 62% touchdown rate to 44%. So m- maybe there's some, also some noise in there, you know, that maybe that improves going forward, but whatever way you look at it, it is a drop off. Um, but to your point, you, uh, you're just saying there that the, the Arizona's I've got them 14th in EPA in the, uh, since week nine. So second half of the season, I've got the Rams 15th in EPA on offense, mm. um, with a worse success rate as well. So both of these teams exploded out of the blocks. I think they're both seven and one or so, and they both just dropped off dramatically to be basically average in the second half of the season. Um, so to me, it looks, it looks like getting the four, is, is going to be valuable. Like, well, you know, all season long, Arizona basically shown they don't seem to have a home field advantage. Um, it's, you know, especially in division, it's going to be half point, one point at max. And with basically even offenses, I, w- I would say Ky- Kyler is still the quarterback I would rather have here. So four points here with the better quarterback to me looks like a take. So, an interesting deal here, Brett, will be if the Cardinals try to blitz Stafford because the one thing that he did do well this year was was he had the highest passer rating against the blitz amongst uh, all quarterbacks. And actually, he had the highest passer rating against the blitz in the next-gen stats era. So he, of, of all time, since they've been doing, you know, kind of tracking that in the next-gen stats era. That being said, he he was under pressure more this year when he wasn't blitzed than when he was blitzed. So it's it's another one of those things because he he knows how to get the ball out quickly when he sees the blitz is coming, all the different stuff like that. And so he 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 was under pressure 23.1% of the time when he was not blitzed compared to 18.2% of the time when he was blitzed. And in 16 of his 17 interceptions came when the teams were not blitzing him. So again, like Stafford's one of those guys that it's almost like if you force him to make a decision, he's better than if you give him time to sit back there and try to have to read a defense and and do the things like that. So I, I almost feel like this whole J.J. Watt thing about them saying that he might play and might be able to get back in there and get some snaps could 
could really and truly work work hugely in the Cardinals' favor, not only because it's J.J. Watt, but if J.J. Watt can get in there and just cause any sort of pressure and have it to where they don't have to blitz at all, then that really works in favor of this Cardinals' defense as well. That is a fascinating stat. I never would have guessed that Stafford was the best under pressure, just given what we've seen him do <laughs> this year. He's yeah. been awful at times. Uh this is the most difficult cap for me this week because I don't know what either of these teams are. Like, neither have shown any consistency mm-hmm. the second half of the season. Like you said, the Cardinals offense has been in decline without yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and the Rams offense has been lackluster, lackluster mostly because Stafford isn't playing smart. He's trying to do too much. We knew Stafford was a risk taker when he was with, De- with Detroit. He had to be. Right. You don't have to be with this team. Like, in this system with these players, just... Just make smart decisions, and he's just not doing that. So, I mean, at this point, you can almost bake in one bonehead interception that he's going to throw in in a football game. It's like, Brad is right. The, the Rams have been average uh, for the second half of this year, but my brain can't process how a team this talented is average. So, I I don't know what to do with the Rams. I, I'm just I'm lost w- with this game. I don't know what to do. I think Cardinals anything north anything north of three is probably the right play. But at the same time, the ceiling of the Rams is is so high that it's it's hard for me not to jump on them at like at three and a half still because I I don't believe in the Cardinals either. So I I, I don't know. Maybe you guys you guys tell me what to do with this game because I honestly have no idea. I so I weirdly have a lean towards the over, and that's so weird considering I'm sitting here talking about how both of these teams don't. Uh, haven't played that great on offense or whatever, but it's it's it, both these teams play super fast. They're in their top. They're in the top six or seven in the league as far as neutral pace. Both of these teams again when at the at the peak, right? I mean, if you if you when the Rams offense is working and the Cardinals offense is working, they move up and down the field like w- without any problem. And, and so I have a slight lean to the over in this thing, but it's not in the account. I'm also like you that if I had to be forced into a bet here probably taking the points with the Cardinals just because it's more than a field goal would be the would would be the way to go would be the way that I'd be leaning but it's it's I don't have a ton of conviction here guys I don't think any of us have really a ton of conviction here in this one just given the circumstances and given you know what we've seen from these two teams over the past couple of weeks I mean I can tell you this I, I understand how fantastic Cooper Cup has been. His receiving prop is at 105 and a half yards. That's just astronomical and absurd. So, I mean, 105 and a half. I think you could only play the under strictly just based off the number being so astronomical where it is right now. But, but Brad, I mean, okay, you had to bet this game this week. You had to play it. The line is four. Are you laying it? Or are you taking the points? Um. I, ha- I, I have taken the points. And one thing I forgot to mention that I think is pretty key here is the Rams' safeties. Um, Jordan Fuller, the green dot, so mm-hmm. the, you know the, the play call of the defense, he's out. Taylor Rapp, the other safety, is in the concussion protocol at the minute. I mean, they were signing um, Eric Waddle, Eric Weddle off the street, sorry. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about the teams tell you a little bit how they feel. Well, they've signing a guy who hasn't played football for two yeah. years. Um, it tells me they're a little bit worried about their safety position um, you know especially the play caller I think they're talking about giving the green dot to Jalen Ramsey but you know you get one coverage bust and it's and it's, it's six points like that's you know that's a huge edge on the spread um, so yeah I, I, I mean I think probably Cardinals money line like 
there's you know I feel like it's a volatile game. I think as as Brett said, we we don't really know who these teams are, and it would not surprise me at all to see the Cardinals win this game. Um, so if you're getting plus one eighty or you know go lay minus two and a half with the Cardinals, get get plus one ninety or something. Um, I, th- I think that's a, a solid bet. Very interesting week. Very interesting games. I mean, listen, there is there's all kinds of all kinds of narratives and storylines and things like that. Guys, again, do watch. And check out before, you know, if you're hes- hesitant at all, do watch, see what that weather is going to do there in Buff- uh, in uh, Tampa with that Bucks and-, and Eagles game. That might be a huge factor in all of this. So if you're really at all worried about that, be sure and, and hold out and take a look at that. Again, it's going to be cold in Cincy. It's going to be cold in Buffalo. Doesn't look like there's going to be wind. If anything changes, we'll be sure and put it in our Discord. We'll be sure and put it in the comment section of the videos as well and things like that. But um, doesn't look like that it's going to be much much more than just guys out there freezing their asses off. And so there's going to be really uncomfortable is basically all it's going to, to come down to. Um, Brett, great to have you back for episode 200 here. Hopefully we'll have you for um, many more as we make our way to 300 as well. And Brad, if you want to follow him over on Twitter at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow Brett Colson. I mean, you can, he tweets like once every, you know, six months, but you can follow him at Brett Colson. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown, M2 for Brad for Brett I'm Matt good luck on all your super wild card weekend bets bet basketball baseball or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at bet MGM sign up and use bonus code the lines and you're on your way with the king of sports books get the bet MGM app today and use promo code the lines to make a risk-free bet up to $600 this is a new customer offer paid in free bets visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions 21 years or older to wager Colorado Indiana Iowa Michigan New Jersey Nevada Pennsylvania Tennessee Virginia or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons please gamble responsibly gambling problem call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. 